Today, uh, I'm really excited because we're starting a new sermon series uh, as a church called Real Relationships. A little bit cheesy, I know, but we really want to get real about relationships. I think we've all been in seasons and places over the last number of months, year, maybe even this week where we've gone through highs and lows of relationship. And so over the next nine weeks, we're going to be looking at uh, different relationships we have, maybe different places where uh, we have different facets of our relationship that take uh, a big part out of us. And so today we're starting with our relationship with God. We're even going to be looking at, you know, what's our relationship with ourselves, with our neighbors, with our church family, uh, we're going to get into different types of relationships, marriage, parenting, uh, walking through uh, singleness. We're going to talk about these different aspects of like, how do we resolve conflict and all these different types of relationships we have? How do we deal with the end of relationships, uh, particularly when it comes to dealing with things like death and dying? All these are important facets of our lives. And we know that our, our relationships and these different parts of our relationships really are key to everything else that goes on in our world. We've all been there where things are going well. Maybe we're, we're happy with our family. We've got good social dynamics going on in relationship. And it just seems like life's a bit easier then. But we all know also the other side of that where things are tough or not going well or relationships are on the rocks or there's a, a void that we feel in our life or many other different things. And when those things are going on, it has impact on other parts of us, and, and so we want to talk about that. This is real stuff that not only do we care about as a church, we believe God cares about for every single one of us. We're very fortunate to have a God who's given us his word, and in it he speaks about our relational lives. We believe God created us to be relational beings. We believe that he wants us to walk in community in all sorts of different ways. And so as he gave us his word, he talked about how do we get through some of this tough stuff? How do we grow? How do we resolve issues? How do we, you know, actually come to a place where we can thrive in these different aspects of our lives. And so we're going to kind of go into all sorts of different places. We're going to hear some different stories as we go through this series. And I'm really looking forward to sort of seeing how this all culminates uh, as we end up in mid-March. Uh, so with that, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to start with sort of this big relationship that is central and vital for all of us, which is our relationship with God. Obviously, we're in church. Obviously, we've been worshiping, we've been focusing on the person of God, the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, the three in one. But as we have this relationship, this vital relationship that, that, that leads into every other part of our life and our being, sometimes we can find it to be one of those relationships that's a little bit more difficult to get a handle on. It can be a little bit more difficult to really have a tangible understanding of what a relationship is like with God because we don't necessarily see him in the same way. We don't necessarily experience relationship with him in the same way that we might have uh, a relationship with a brother or sister, a, a husband or a wife, a parent, a grandparent, a co-worker, a neighbor. It's, it's a little bit of a different relationship. And so I want to talk today a little bit starting from the lows of where we might feel and going towards uh, what it can look like to really have a wonderful relationship with God. 
But for just a moment, what I'd like to do as we kind of enter into this conversation is for you to rate your relationship with God. This isn't something I'm going to ask you to share. Not everyone's going to have to pass this around at the end of our time together. But I'd love for you to rate on a scale from 0 to 100 how satisfied you are with your relationship with God. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're just keeping it mentally, put it up there in your brain. How satisfied are you in your relationship with God? Now, why? Give yourself an answer of why. Why do I give myself this rating? If you're going 0 to 100, you say I'm a 65. Why am I a 65 today? This is an important thing as we think about our relationships. It's healthy to have a point where we evaluate uh, our satisfaction level with our relationships so that we can sort of gauge where to go from there. Now, I'm hoping a few of us in the room gave ourselves a high score. That would be awesome. But if I was a betting man, I would guess the room is probably closer to the mid to bottom end of that range. And that's not to say that when we rate ourselves sort of in the middle or bottom, uh, that we don't desire a better relationship with God. I think we're all here for a reason. We're either seeking who God is. We want to know him deeper if we have a relationship with him. Obviously, we're in pursuit of that, but we might come to a place where we have felt discouraged, disconnected, disheartened. We might come to this place where we just feel, eh, okay. And there's a whole lot of reasons why we could get into that. And I'm going to talk about two of the problems with our relation, that we find in our relationship with God, but I certainly can't cover them all today because there's just so many facets. But we all kind of come there, and for most of us, our, our spiritual lives are, are like a roller coaster, aren't they? I mean, that, that's been my experience of, of my faith has been, you know, I have great highs and, and, and some pretty deep and, and heavy and dark lows in different times. I mean, for most of us, if we're followers of Jesus, we had that sort of initial excitement of coming to faith in Jesus, whether it's when we're young or older in life, we, we come to this place where we recognize our need for God and we enter into relationship with him and there's a little bit of energy there, there's a, a little bit of motivation, maybe we've heard all these promises about who God is and then what he's going to deliver and some of the stuff we sang about today and, and that's really exciting and we're really motivated and we're really moving, but then as we carry on starts to maybe decline and and maybe there's a, a moment where on the decline maybe God answers a prayer and we come up again or you know my, one of my experiences I, I came to faith at a young age about uh, eight years old and then I, I would go off to camp during the summer and uh, that would be like a mountain high experience because I'd spend a week uh, with God and other Christian people and and that's great and then I'd come back and I kind of feel disconnected and go into a lull and then I've, I've gone particularly through my teen and young adult years on a lot of mission trips where I go serve God and wow this is a great experience look what God's doing around the world look what God's doing through me this is awesome and then you know you kind of come back and eventually you ride that high back down and we, we all go through this in in different variations some of us are more emotional and more emotive if you're like me you have the big high and the low lows or maybe you're just kind of more in between but we ride this line and sooner or later what happens is we end up 
in this place where we feel discouraged, disconnected, and we kind of sometimes even feel lied to. We feel like, man, there were all these promises, or there was all these moments of high, but I can't keep that going, and we just end up in this place of dissatisfaction. We can come to that realization in a number of different ways. And I want to start there, sort of what, what are some of the problems that we find at the bottom of these lows? And, and the first one that I can think of is what I call the, the no fruit problem. The no fruit problem is that, that place where you get to in a relationship where you just kind of wonder why. Have you ever had this in in any relationship, not just your relationship with God, but you kind of get to this place in this relationship and you're like, what am I really getting out of this? Anyone been there with a a friend or family member and you just kind of wonder why? Like, why do I keep trying to keep this thing alive? Where's where's the benefit of of this in my life? Like, Like, like. it could, it could be all sorts of relationships, but with God, I think this can be true too. We've been, we've been promised all this in God's word and by other Christians, and, and we hear this, and we're, we get excited, and then we kind of come to this point sometimes in those lows, and we're just like, Where, where's the fruit of this relationship? Where's this stuff that, that I'm promised. In scripture, for instance, we have things like the fruit of the spirit that we're promised, that as we invest our lives into relationship with Jesus, we're going to see all these attributes of God come al- alive within us. We're going to see joy and peace and, and gentleness and self-control and faithfulness and, and goodness. And, and we go, wow, that sounds exciting, but it is not in my life not feeling like I have a whole lot of that. Maybe it's when we come to this place where we just really feel, feel like we've been sort of robbed and, and people have told us, hey, you're going you're gonna to really experience peace in your life. Man, man when, you, when you come into relationship with God, you're, you're going to have peace. And we end up going and we're like, well, I'm, I'm feeling anything but peaceful in all these categories of my life. We come with this expectation that the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of our relationship with God is just going to always age like fine wine. And it's going to be good. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be delicious. But then we end up in this place where we actually feel a lot more like a raisin. Just dried up. Squeezed out. Okay in a cookie, but really not as good as a chocolate chip. You know what I mean? Like, that, that, that's, that's how we get and that's, that's the experience of this, this lack of, of fruit in our lives. And oftentimes, it, what it is is actually a misunderstanding. For instance, that idea of peace with God is often misunderstood by us when we first come to faith in Jesus. We're actually promised peace with God, not peace in all things, when we come to faith in God. And you catch that? We're promised peace with God. We're told by Scripture we were enemies of God. But out of his great love for us, Jesus came down to earth, he died on the cross, and he rose again so that if we had put our faith and trust in him, we could have peace with him. We could go from being enemies to being friends to being family, and that brings peace. But God says that's where the peace sort of comes in your salvation, and yes, there is other peace to be had, but that just doesn't come immediately. It comes through the longevity of relationship with him. 
I think God was really intentional with that language of fruit for our lives. He says, because we understand that while fruit is refreshing, while it's good, while it's wonderful to share with others, it's something that takes time and effort to cultivate. Fruit even, uh, it, you know, it doesn't just appear on its own in our grocery shelves. It, it takes time. If you've ever even been out to one of the apple farms in, in town, right, you, you can hear the stories of the farmers of, of how this is taken time to cultivate. Even when it's left on its own in nature, fruit just doesn't appear in every season on every tree in every climate. It takes the right conditions and locations. It takes the right amount of sun, the right amount of rain, the right amount of nutrients in the soil, all so that this tree can take things from root bottom and bring it up to the very tips of its limb. And so God gives us this idea that there is fruit, but it comes at some time. So we got this problem of, of no fruit. But some of us also come to this realization of the problem that we have in our relationship with God because there's no voice. Have you ever been disheartened by hearing people talk about hearing the voice of God? Well, I heard God say this to me. Oh, I really felt that God was very clear to me that this. And you know what? That is really exciting. It's really awesome to hear those stories. But when you're not hearing it, it can be really hard. It can be really frustrating. I remember for a long stretch of my life through my teens into my 20s, just wrestling with this idea of hearing the voice of God. Now, it's not that I never had sort of promptings that I knew what was right or what was wrong, but I never really heard from God I didn't feel like. You know, people would talk about hearing audibly from God, or people would, would talk about just knowing clearly what he was saying to them. But more often in my life, I found myself trying to figure out what was going on. Is this God? Or is this just something that's within? Is this my conscience, so to speak? Or man, is this just bad indigestion? Right? We come to those places and we're like, why am I making this decision? What's going on in my life? And we want to hear from God, but we sit there wondering, how can we hear from him? And these are just a couple of the problems that we face. These are just a couple of the things that we experience in the lows. And if you're there, I want you to know you're not alone. We've all been there. There's no person in this room, even the most spiritual people who's on the most high in their, their walk with Christ, none of us live there permanently because we all live in life. We all experience sin which drags us away. We all go through those different things with him and, and that brings us to different places. But what you need to know if you're there is that it's not meant to be that way. There's actually a solution that God provides. And it's not meant to be a mystery. It's not meant to have us wondering, oh, can I really hear from God or, or is that just the tacos setting in? It's not meant to be, oh, I, I have these couple things that are going on that are, are budding and producing in my life, but is that really just because I'm making the right decisions or is that because God's really at work in my life? It's not meant to be mysterious. It's not meant to be a problem that's lasting. It's meant to be a pointer. When we feel these things, when we experience these problems, it's meant to be something that points us towards him. 
If you've got your Bible, I'd love for you to join me in John chapter 15. And we're going to look at at verses 4 to 11. Here Jesus goes on to speak about how we can know him, how we can hear him, how we can grow and cultivate spiritual and relational fruit with him. Here we read this. It's on the screens if you don't have a Bible. But this is Jesus speaking to us, to his disciples first and foremost, but to us now. He says, I want you to abide in me as I am in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. But... If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you will bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I have abided in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. When Jesus teaches his disciples, those who would follow him and claim to have a relationship with him, how they can have fruit, how they can know him, how they can hear his voice, he uses this word abide. Now, there's all sorts of different translations. If you read the NIV or the NLT, you'll read remain. But I really like this translation where it uses the word abide. What does the word abide mean? Well, for for the English language people here, the word abide is actually an intransitive verb, which means to remain stable or fixed in state, to continue in one place or to dwell. This is really interesting. I like this idea of it being an intransitive verb. Let me geek out for it with you for a second. A verb's an action word, right? We know this if we've been in English, right? Some of the students down here, give me a nod. Am I I'm right? Yeah? Good. Sometimes I screw up verbs and adjectives. Um, but a verb's this, this action word where, where something is relating to something else and there's movement. But an intransitive verb is a verb that can exist without a noun that it's relating to. It's something that doesn't actually need to be in transit towards something. It can just be. Normally we talk about hitting or running or jumping or there's all these relational back and forth sort of words. But when God tells us of how we can grow with him, he doesn't give us some performance to measure. He doesn't give us some list that we have to move through and check off in order to move from where we are to him. Instead, what God said and what he's provided for us in our life is an action of just being. Of just being present with him. To stay fixed in one state, in one place, to dwell, to center on him. 
For those of you who have seen the great classic of the 90s, The Big Lebowski, you'll remember the character, The Dude. He goes around and he says, the dude abides. And I'm not recommending that movie to you for a whole bunch of reasons, but there's this really interesting thing. There's this character. And why he says, he's just known as the dude or the Deuterino or El Deuterano, and, and he goes around and all through this whole movie, he's in every single scene. This is very unusual. Movies don't normally have it in it, but it's giving us this idea that there's a place to be within, to just sit, to be present in a moment. But far better than that movie ever can depict, Jesus says, I want you to dwell deeply within. I within you, you within me, and that is where you'll find the fruit for the tree. Right? That's, this is what Jesus is saying. He gives us this idea that we don't need to be productive, that we don't need to work, that we don't need to earn, unlike every other relationship. Instead, we be. We be present. We remain. When we're gone, we long to come back to a place again and again and again. The reason so many of us go through these ups and downs in our Christian life is actually that what we like to do is dip in. I like to sort of hop into this spiritual moment that I'm going to pop out. I got a quick second, so I'm going to get into God's word. Okay, that's enough. I got to go do this other thing. Oh, I'm going to spend a quick moment to pray because I got this need. Okay, that's enough. And we end up jumping and dipping in quickly, in and out of our time with God. And what we actually do is reduce our relationship with him down to being less of a friend and more of an acquaintance. Hey, it's great to see you, God. Hey, let's quickly catch up. Okay, now I got to go be over here with my real friends. Oh, God, yeah, just a moment. Let's just catch up. Oh, oh actually, I got I to gotta run. I got these other things that's going on. We see that this, this state of being, how most of us live our spiritual lives, doesn't actually produce what is needed within. And that's why Jesus gives us this incredible, deep metaphor of the vine and the branches. We all know this. We all know that for a branch to bear fruit, it needs to stay connected to a vine. You don't walk along uh, Willowview Farms down the aisle and snap off a branch and take it home and put it in your kitchen and go, I'm going to have fruit in the fall. <laughs> That'd be idiotic, right? Like, that's not going to work. Why? Because we've cut off the source of life. We've taken something that has the capability and the power to produce fruit and we've removed it from the very thing that gives light. The thing that brings it all it needs. Even if we try to add those things later, we put it in a nice sunny spot, we put it in a beautiful vase full of water, we even dump a little bit of that plant food in, it's only going to grow for so long. And then it's going to wither and die. This is the same thing that happens with our life with God, with our relationship with him. When we choose to disconnect ourselves from the one who brings us life, we bring disaster to our relationship with him. We cut off our ability to hear from him and to thrive. So that's one danger. The other danger, which is maybe a little bit more prevalent for a lot of us, is what we've ended up doing is we've ended up settling for Moses 
instead of the God who used to live on the mountain. What do I mean by that? Well, if you remember back to the book of Exodus, when God is leading his people through the desert for a number of years, there's these moments where God calls up Moses onto the mountain. God resides and places himself on the mountain. He says, hey, Moses, I want you to come up here. And what, does, what, do, what happens with God's people? They sit in the valley bottom and they wait. And they wait and they wait and they get impatient and they sin and they wait and they get frustrated and they sin. And then when Moses comes on down, they go, okay, give us what we need. You're the one who's met with God. Tell us everything. And there was a, a beautiful purpose in that, and, and God gave it for a time, and God used that to work some of what he wanted in with his people. But what's different now is that we live in a time where God is no longer on the mountain, and God no longer decides to speak to his people through some form of mediator. Instead, what God does is he decided to come down to earth to provide a way for us to be with him. A lot of us settle for our Sunday spiritual lives or for listening to a voice on a podcast or for just a quick moment, a Bible study where we'll allow somebody else to give us a piece of life from their experience with him. But the problem is when we settle for Moses and just hearing the truth, we never get the wonderful experience of having an encounter with him. A.W. Tozer wrote these words. He said, For it is not mere words that nourish the soul, but God himself. Unless and until the hearer finds God in personal experience, they are not the better for having heard the truth. A lot of us love to listen to the truth. And it's, there's nothing wrong with that. There's a beautiful thing about coming uh, to church or going to a Bible study and hearing someone share the truth about what God can do in a life, but it's very different from abiding with him. It's very different from living the life of experience, us connected in to him. We've got to abide. We've got to remain. We've got to be present with him. So the question is, of course, how do I do it? How do I do it? I'm going to give you a list here. And this, i got to be really careful with this. Because sometimes, again, we go into that checklist mode. And we go, okay, I'm going to do that. And I did that, and I did that. God, where is it? we got to remember, this is a list of things that God has breathed out into his word for us to receive life but it's in a growing season. It's something that we have to incorporate into our lives. Not just a list to be done, but a presence to be. Not just an activity, but a dwelling place. The reason is God didn't give us this list of things to be restrictive on our life. He didn't give us these things so that we could feel accomplished and feel like we've earned the fruit in our lives or a deeper relationship with him. He gave us these things so we could figure out how to enter in, how to enter into his presence, how to stay there consistently, and how to thrive with him. So how do we do it? How do we begin? Well, the very first thing is that we should enter into prayer and we should never stop praying. 
scripture reference there. I'll encourage you to look it up on your own. But this is this idea that we're supposed to talk with God. God invites us into a conversation. And when I talk about praying, I really mean a conversation with. Not just us talking at, not us just giving a list, but us entering into a place where we are in continual conversation with the very living God. Have you ever noticed when people spend a lot of time together, they begin to look and sound like one another? Have you ever seen that really old cute couple who wears matching track suits? You know, they've spent so much time together that they begin to look alike. Or do you have one of those friends where you can almost finish each other's sentences and you can, you can have those conversations where ages of time can seem to have passed by, but you're just able to enter in and connect? What happens when we're in relationship, when we're in communication, is we begin to understand one another's way of thinking. We begin to understand one another in heart, and we actually begin to grow to be more and more alike. And that's why God invites us in. Because what he's trying to do is impart himself to us. When we read about things like the fruit of the Spirit, these are the characteristics that God always has. And as we grow with him, as we become more like him, as we learn his heart and try to live it out, then these things begin to bleed in. And so God says, I want you to come in and I want you to talk with me and I want to relate with you and I want to share things with you. I want this to be continual. Pete Gregg, who's the founder of 24-7 Prayer, says this. He says, a real relationship with God means walking with him daily. Our lives should be like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, talking with him intimately. Our lives should be like that with Moses, whom the Lord would speak to face to face as one would speak with a friend. And our lives should look like listening attentively to God's voice, because as Jesus said, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. We're encouraged to continually talk and listen to God back and forth, having a dialogue with him. Now, if you struggle with your prayer life, let me give you some great advice that was simply given to me, and it's this. It's be honest, be simple, and be consistent. Be honest, be simple, be consistent. First of all, be honest with yourself. It is hard to stay continually in prayer. Be honest about that. Be honest with God about that. If you really want to grow and cultivate this, share it with God. Get, share him your heart. Cling to the promises that he gives in scripture. Give them back to him. Say, hey God, I know that this is provided by you for me so I can be back in you. This is really hard, God. Work with me in this. Be honest with God when you talk to him. For some reason, we think we can outsmart God. You ever get there where you just like kind of share a little bit with God, but it's not really what's going on in your heart and mind? Like this is the creator and sustainer of the universe we're talking with. He knows what's going on. And be honest with him. Share what's going on. I have found one of the most profound times of prayer consistently for me is when I'm just really honest and raw with God. I've gone for drives. I've gone for walks. I've just simply sat in my office and just dumped it all on him. Anger, frustration, hopes, joys, sadness, whatever. And as I do that, God answers. And he hears. And he responds. And I began to work with him. So be honest. 
keep it simple. There's no magic words. There's nothing fancy. There's, there's no complexity to our prayers except simply becoming before God. P. Grigg, the guy who I just read the quote from, said our prayer life or the prayer room of our life should be like a child climbing into a father's lap to share what happened with the day. I love that. Like there's no pretense. When my kids come in uh, to bed or onto the couch or just come and share with me at the end of the day, there, there's, there's nothing fancy. There's nothing complex. They just simply come and share with dad what's going on. That's what our prayer life should look like. So be honest, be simple, and be consistent. Again, the more time we spend, and we all, we all know this, right? It's like when you, when you start dating, the like first date is so hard. Because like you're trying to figure out what to say and how do we boil this down and like how do we start to build relationship and it, it goes on. But then all of a sudden you're married for all these years, all these decades, and somehow you're still able to talk to this person nonstop even though you've been with each other all day? That's what happens with consistency. That's what happens in our relationship with God as well on a a much more profound level. As we're consistent with God, he's consistent with us, and he continues to be faithful, just like we sang about earlier today. And so I'd encourage you to bring. The second thing I'd encourage you to do is never stop engaging in God's word. You know, a lot of people have said to me that I, I, I don't know if I hear God's voice. You know, I, I make that joke about, is this just indigestion or is this God's voice? But, but we're really that lost sometimes, right? Like, like, how do I know what God's saying? How do, I, how do I really hear from him? Well, the way you hear from him is you actually go, for starters, to the place that he's already spoken. God gave us his word to share us his heart, to bring us in to know what he would prescribe for certain parts of our lives, for, for how he would move, how he loves to get in with people. And he's given us this all for us to read it, and it, and it actually goes just beyond what's in the page. As we begin to, to know what's on the page, we begin to hear him even when we don't have our Bibles open. We begin to actually understand him because we know his heart We know how he moves. We know how he thinks. As we grow deeper with him, we actually find it easier. Is this just my own voice or is this God? Oh, wait, I'm going to check in with the Holy Spirit who lives within. The Holy Spirit and the word of God are never going to conflict. Is this conflicting with something that I know to be true about God? Well, then I'm not hearing from him. Does this line up? Well, I have a good sense that this is probably God speaking to me. And that begins to work in your life. You begin to hear promptings from the Holy Spirit as you begin to know what he's saying to you. You begin to know when God's not going to speak because he's leaving it open for you to make a choice. And you're going to begin to understand that. It's very similar, us engaging with the word of God, of us being able to understand someone's phone voice. Right? There's people's voices you know on the phone, and there's people's voices who you have no clue who it is. I know my wife's voice on the phone because we've had a lot of face-to-face time. We've had a lot of conversations. We've spent time with one another. I've learned to understand and hear her voice. And so I don't need call display to tell me who's calling. As soon as I hear her voice, I know. I won't hear all those other voices. 
In fact, it's the same thing with my kids. I actually hear my kids. I have terrible hearing, but I can hear my kids' voices through the room out there on a Sunday morning. When I see Sky or Macy come ripping in, I, I can hear them because I know their voices. I don't even have to see them. And I can make it out clear beyond all of your voices. That's what it begins to be as we get into God's word, as we begin to dig in. I can hear him. God, I'm spending face-to-face time with you. I'm understanding how you speak, what you would inflect on, what you would emphasize, what you would care about, and I'm going to move in. If you want to begin to hear the voice of God, you have to spend time with him. Get to know him. Dig in deep. And then one of the next keys is you have to begin to obey him. One of the things that I have found has been continual in my life is that as I listen to the promptings of God, I hear it more regularly. When I decide to not listen to something God's prompting within my life, I begin to hear him a little less often. It's one of the problems why sin creeps in and never fully separates us from God, but it drives a a wedge between him and us. But it's not just... The, the blatant sins that we know about, it's also when we get that little prompting from within where we know the Holy Spirit saying, I want you to do this thing. I want you to talk to that person. I want you to just stop and be. I want you to pray. I want you to whatever. As we give in to that, we begin to know him more and we begin to be more and more in his presence, drawn closer and closer still. Jesus spoke this right in the middle of that whole section. In verses 10 and 11, he said, if you keep my commandments... That's when you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abided in his love. I've spoken these things to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Our obedience to God, listening to those voices of being consistent in our prayer, of studying scripture, of constantly going to him, those are the things that begin to bring about this fruit in our life. Now this isn't a quick fix. It's a long, slow burn. It's like a growing season. You're not just today going to, well, maybe, God could do it, but my guess is you're not going to go home today and you're going to pray and quickly read a few verses of the Bible and suddenly I hear the voice of God in every situation and I see all of this character change take place within. You're not going to see that. But if you consistently come to this time and time again, you're going to hear the voice of God build within. You're going to begin to see the characteristics of him come to life and begin to flourish. And as you take hold of that, you're going to see more and more of it produced again. This all flows not out of a performative nature, not out of something mysterious, but simply Abiding, being still, staying in place, being present for the long haul. That's when we receive the fruit within. That's when we cultivate joy in our relationship with him. So if you're joyless, hopeless, you have no peace, you're seeing no fruit, you're not hearing the voice of God, know that there's hope because Jesus promises it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. God, it's a challenge for us in a busy culture, in a busy place, with lots of things on the go, with 
so much of a world that says that we have to be performance-based, that we have to build a brand, that we have to be busy to, to, to be whatever, and, and God, it, it's difficult, but Lord God, we want to lean in. We want to hear your voice. We want to experience what only you can provide within. We want to grow in our relationship with you. God, you are the God of the universe, the creator and sustainer of all things. You are the one who sent your son to die on the cross so that we could live with you for eternity. We know you're the one who create, will create a, a new heaven, a new earth, and you allow us to live in with no more sickness, no more suffering, no more sadness. And God, we want to embrace that not just one day then, but today. And so, Lord God, would you help us to get in? Would you help us to be present? Would you help us to remain with you? And Lord God, as we do, would we begin to thrive? Would we begin to blossom with the fruit that only you can provide? And God, would we not cling that to ourselves, but would we share with others so that they can experience life within too? God, we thank you for this all, and we pray for it because you've promised it. In your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.